once again. Uh, this is the H word, and I'm Becky. And I'm Dan. Dan, how you doing? Doing, just doing. Yeah, me too. I'm out of it now. Out of it? Yeah, I'm just out of patience. Yeah, I'm out of it. Out of out of patience for this. Um, no, things are. I'm just getting weird, like in a kind of a subdued, tired way. Yeah, sort of a sedated vibe. Yeah, I had this image come to me that all of us who are at home, who are well, we're like goop Keanu's from the Matrix right now. <laughs> just like yes. hanging out in our goop, doing our doing our duty, but it's I'm starting to I'm starting to get gooped. Um yeah, well I I, I keep like uh, I keep getting like um, digital distortion in my goop where it's like the Matrix is real, and I'm like, no, 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 keep me gooped, man. Oh, what's what's making you think the Matrix is real in this? Well, the anxiety, the outside, the outside world. Like, I, I have, I rarely have, have had the feeling of like, oh, I can't consume this piece of media because I'll feel too anxious. I've never felt that way. I've always watched the most disturbing things, and you know all this kind of thing. And now I feel it. I, I feel it truly for the first time. I, I turned off. Uh, an episode of This American Life yesterday, because I was like, nope, this is too much. What was it about? It's just dealing with what's happening in Chicago. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, yeah, I was like, keep me gooped, you know? Yeah. How's your anxiety feel? Like, how do you experience anxiety when you have it? Oh, it's different, and it's evolving. Oh. Um. Yeah. Last night, I... Uh, Last night I was feeling hot, so I decided to take my temperature. Okay. And my thermometer said that I had a fever, and I went, huh. And I started getting concerned, and then I was like, wait, this thermometer is broken. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just won't go back to cool. Like... It won't. It won't go below fever temperature anymore. What, what level of fever did you? Did it say you had? Oh, just the slightest fever. What's a? And so that's that's why I thought it was making sense. I was like, huh. What's a fever? Like what? What's? I don't know what. Our... Well, good question because I did some research. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this is a segment called Dan's research on fever. Yeah, we're gonna do this and every it, week. <laughs> it's just. It's just the segment is the beginning of my thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, yes, 37.5 Fahrenheit is the, uh, is the traditional body temperature, right. 37.6, this kind of thing, has been the temperature for like 100 years. And then in the past five years, there's been a lot of articles written about how that's actually not the body temperature anymore. Um, actually, think, yeah, <laughs> our bodies they, uh, have changed. They're um actualing the fever uh, threshold. Um, okay. Which is a, a thing, actually, I, I call back to an earlier podcast we had where yes. I was talking about a hopeful article and it was that our bodies have cooled. And so uh, the human body, uh, you know, but again, varies between um, all sorts of factors in terms of the human body. But in general, uh, there has been a cooling that's gone on because we just uh, do less inflammatory um uh, consume less inflammatory um, foods. Oh, oh, uh, it's spicy food. It, it, no, it's like bad. It's like um, oh, bad food. Like you get a fever food from and like get and poisoned. like getting sick less and like it, yeah, it, it's it, and, and like even like um, chronic stress can like leave you inflamed. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, so, so so back to the numbers. This is what the listeners want. Yeah, the numbers. And so um, the the threshold, these articles were all positing that the threshold for fever has actually gone down. So if you have 
7.6 Fahrenheit, um, that maybe, uh, and you think you're safe, maybe you do actually have a fever. Dan, what are we talking Celsius, please? Oh, uh, um, I have to look it up. My my recorder is resting on my th- thermom- my broken thermometer right now. <laughs> okay. So you're going to hear a noise. It's uh, uh, Wait, 94 point... No, no, sorry, 90, 98.4, something right. like that. So when, you get, when you're getting up into 99 degrees, you're too hot. That's We're really hot inside. Yeah, we're very hot. Like yeah. so hot, I don't like being in that temperature outside. Right. And that's what's in me? Yeah. Whoa, it's like hell inside me. It's it's hell inside you, yeah. Um, so then I went and did some exercise, and then I felt great after... Uh, so that's just that. I'm, that that's a long way of me explaining what my anxiety manifests like. Like, um, I can go into like little uh, rabbit holes of of thinking and thought spirals of like, oh, I have a fever. Oh, it means this. Um, uh, but I, I I'm also you know practiced at sort of pulling myself out of those thought spirals. Well, it's nice to know in this time that something's flourishing, even if it's just your anxiety. <laughs> It's growing. It's being nurtured. It's certainly being fed. There's a lot of food around. I've given my update. How's you? How are you doing? You're saying you're out of it. Describe more um, of your your current state. I feel like I'm high, just lightly high, and that's just today. I mean, it's up and down. Um, I've I've really I've like settled into some very like basic bitch activities. <laughs> uh, I'm doing everything the internet says. I st- I have a, I started a sourdough starter. My little baby, uh-huh. I got to actually feed it after this interview. Um, and I've been sewing. I, I started sewing masks. Right. Um, I made one for myself yesterday as a prototype. It's a really wonderful pattern from Victory Patterns, which is a wonderful company out of Toronto. I will post a link to anyone out there who does sew. This one's for personal use, but I am uh, getting a better sewing machine on loan from a friend. Now, before anyone gets mad at me, this I feel like this is essential service. I'm going to disinfect it to the best of my ability. And we're, um, we're planning like a strategic handoff, but this is so that I can make masks um, in case of frontline worker shortages and some hospitals in Toronto are already asking. So I feel like I found something useful I could do with myself, which is nice. That's great. And it's something to look forward to. Plan around. Yeah, it's an activity. I really enjoy sewing um, and... I can like listen to music, listen to podcasts, light some candles and just turn out a bunch of masks. So I'm I'm excited to kind of get that into my routine. Can I just point out that quarantine basic is so far removed from actual life basic? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> quarantine basic is sort of like like the stuff that everyone's doing is like this is my dream or like we're like fermenting things and <laughs> crocheting. <laughs> Everyone's discovering this. And just because just because a a huge number of people are doing it, it's become basic now. Yeah, basic is anything if you're a joiner, a a shirson. I don't know what the single of sheeple is. (laughs) (laughs) Shirson, yeah. Shirson. Um, what? Like, what now is quarantine cool? Like, what? Where has the cool shifted now? Oh, doing heroin, I guess. <laughs> heroin? No. I don't know. No. It, like, what would it be? Like, what would make you a cool outlier? Yeah. Like, what? what's what's someone being like, oh, you're doing sourdough? Yeah. I actually do this. Um, um, like, is it, I guess it's Victory Gardens, maybe, like, fully growing your own stuff. I don't know. I think, I, actually, this is a really good question. I think maybe that line is sort of 
blurred. Like, maybe there isn't cool anymore. Nothing seems cool anymore. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Like, people are like, I don't wear makeup, and my crotch is getting hairier. And, like, mm-hmm. and, and being cool right now, like, if you had a good haircut, you know, especially as we get further on, that's not okay. Because you went and got a haircut. Yeah, unless you live with a hairdresser, then you're really lucky. But like, and then, then you're you, super lucky. You could like justify it, but even so, it's kind of like mm, I don't, I don't want that from people. I cut my own hair last night. <gasps> you want to pick for the Insta? Yes, please. Okay, well, I'll say this: I I showed it to uh, my friend Adam Christie on a uh, video chat. Huge and I said, name hey. drop. <laughs> yeah. Naming our friends. Yeah. And I and I turned to the side and I pointed to my head and I said, check it out. And he said, are you pointing to dandruff? <laughs> oh. And I said, well, yes, but I'm also pointing to my haircut. And it, I guess it's because some gray has showed up. I am very there excited. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. If he thinks you are pointing to dandruff, he didn't say like, did you get hit in the head or something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he also didn't say oh my God, are you pointing to your terrible haircut? Like, I think I got away with it. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I am, I'm, I don't want to cut my hair. I just want to let it grow and grow and grow. And it's going to be so long like a horse girl. That's great. I love that. Um, I'm super stoked about that. Okay, speaking of Insta pictures, here's the thing. This is going to be a bit circuitous, but our guest today is Aitor, my partner <laughs> again. Um, we're having a redo of an interview. And right. so I need... Um, I need a picture of him because shockingly I live with him, but I'm like, I don't, I can't find any really good pictures. I already used one good one that I found on the internet. Um, so, but I'd like to put a call out to that fucking asshole who pointed his camera in Itor's face when we were out for a walk in the boardwalk and took a whole bunch of pictures and smiled at us and ran away. So, cause I'd like some of those pictures, please. <laughs> So this is a Craigslist misconnection. Sir, you know who you are if you're listening. Sir, if you're listening, you took a picture of a man with a handlebar mustache on the bridge um, the, by, I guess, in Etobicoke, that bridge over the Humber. Um, he's a very well put together man. And if you look closely in those pictures, next to him will be a woman making either a very sour face at you or giving you the finger. That's the picture I'd like, please. <laughs> And congratulations, you're fucking worse than a jogger. What's wrong with you? Oh, it, it's it, it's absolutely outrageous. Like like this happens I've to Itor my... all the time. I always give That's... the finger because they're never looking at me. So then they get the picture and then they see this. Um, and Itor's fun joke for a while was to pull like they'd be like, "Can I take your picture?" And he'd like, "Sure." And he'd pull me next to him, and then they take a bunch of pictures of the two of us, and then. They'd be like, okay, one without her. And I was like, honey, you have to stop doing this because I know you love me, but it makes me feel bad. Right, 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 right. <laughs> to keep having this person be like, can she be out of the picture, please? <laughs> right. Um, but I would say when the person asks if I can take your picture, that is like night and day between the person who doesn't ask. Yeah. And I, I also understand sort of like like a there is like a middle ground of like you do want a candid nature at times. But I, I don't know what to, to do about that, but it's, it's something you, you have to talk to people afterwards, not just gleefully snapping pictures in people's faces while they're all stressed out and out for a walk. I don't know. No, not at all. Also, not like, maybe all, from right. further away, it's more fair game. I don't really know. But people always take his picture. And <laughs> they've stolen his soul. He has no soul left. That's really right. rude. So don't, yeah. don't do that, people. 
But he's on a lot of street fashion blogs. We keep finding him on them. (laughs) And friends send us pictures. (laughs) Ooh, maybe I'll check the street fashion blogs and see if I can find a good picture. Yeah, see if you can come up with one. They owe us at least that if they're using his image. Well, Um, I will send you, I'll send you a picture. Okay. Of me. Not of Itor. I did not take the picture of him on the bridge. I like all your paparazzi photos of Itor, please. <laughs> I know you've been skulking around in the shrubs with all the wild cats of Parkdale. What about the Parkdale mattresses? Are those out still? Oh, I haven't been out enough to check, um, but the cats are flourishing. Mm. All those black and white cats of Parkdale. If you see a black and white cat that's just roaming around and you're like, oh, this one cat. Nah, there's hundreds of them and they're they're having a wild time. We're not out there. The rats have really gone wild. It's cats, a- rats, and my anxiety. Yeah. Possums, raccoons. This is my whole- new nonfiction. What is? That's the title of my new nonfiction. What is it? Rats, cats, and my anxiety? Yeah. Then I... I know I wasn't at all helpful with any of your problems just now. You don't have to be. Oh, great. Yeah. You um, listened. And all of you listened. Or did you? Are you just yeah. downloading this and never listening? Yeah. If you just hit skip a couple times and got to this point, well, good for you. all the best to you. Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. There aren't any rules. I just ate blue cheese for breakfast and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm unraveling in a really <laughs> interesting that way. Is, to me, that is the least appealing breakfast food I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was too much blue cheese to eat all in one sitting. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, to come away from a sitting of blue cheese and say, well, that was my meal because you ate so much of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. I'll tell you one thing. I don't want to eat anything else right now. <laughs> Yeah, your body's like, we're good, dude. (laughs) I don't know. It was the most prepared thing in the fridge, so I don't know. (laughs) I did did some halfway cooking last night. Oh, would you you halfway cook? It was like, well, a a vegetarian macaroni dish, but I just did all the chopping and uh, prepping. I made a sauce even, too. Mm. Um, And then now it's been... Now it's ready, so it's more of an assembly day to cook, you know? Oh. Feels good. Are there non-vegetarian macaronis? Uh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, people will put, like, beef in their macaroni and cheese and stuff. What? Of course. People put ground beef in a lot of things. <laughs> oh, no. Was it, was it in my blue cheese? You ever heard of Hamburger Helper? Yeah. What's that's it? like a macaroni. That's like a pasta dish where you just add ground beef to it that's the that's the recipe is put beef in buy, this? buy a pound of ground beef start cooking it the water that comes out of the ground beef as you cook it will be the liquid for this dish and <gasps> you just add this mixture in and it solidifies into a um well at a time in my life delicious sludge <laughs> i have never thought about what a hamburger helper is because it didn't apply to me I, I just remember that talking glove. Yeah, the talking glove. That was where it ended with me. I guess I assumed it was some sort of like sawdust that. The, the glove is the glove is leading you down a dark path. I thought it was like a filler, like a. It so, is a filler, like a sawdusty kind of thing that would just stretch out your hamburger meat further. 
<laughs> I I guess it pressed. You thought it was like what they used to cut drugs with, like, like I just... guess like a textured vegetable protein. I don't know. Oh, you thought it was yeah. You thought it was expensive, organic, healthy food. No, no, no. I thought it was. I knew it was for people like us <laughs> when I was young. I, mm. I knew it was for people who needed to like throw like grains in the meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been elucidating. Yeah. All over the but, place. Uh, I'm going to go back to my goop. I don't know about you. Uh, You're going to go into a convo. I I wrote a bunch of things on my day planner, but they're mostly mending. So I got to get to those mm. or else. Uh, maybe I'll make a newsletter today. I don't know. Oh. Also, no pressure. Yeah, I know. No one cares. Nothing's happening. Yeah. Um, well, let's listen to uh, what I talked to ITAR about. Sounds great. Okay, bye, Dad. Okay, bye. Bye. Um, hi, everybody. It's Becky here, and I'm really excited um, to have a guest live in studio today. Now, before you send hate mail to the hwordpod at gmail.com, uh, it's my partner who I live with, so I'm allowed. It's Reverend Itar. Hi, Reverend Itar. Hi, Becky. How's it going? Good. Did you smoke some weed? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Great. Um, that's wonderful. I, um, I'm i sorry that there was a miscommunication about when this appointment was going to start and that I was just watching videos of Chris Siddiqui roll joints. That's okay. I'll roll you one. I learned a new technique. Thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, also, want to before we really get rolling, um, give a shout out to Long and McQuaid, to whom I cannot figure out how to return these microphones, hmm. so I still have them. <laughs> <laughs> I I imagine I have to pay for this rental. It, it was very reasonably priced. The staff is great. They are not a sponsor. I love a sponsorship. Seems like a weird weird time to ask for them. Um, but yeah, big shout out to Long and McQuaid. They're great. Um, so I tour. Yes, Becky. Uh, introduce yourself. Who are you? How would you define yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, well, my name is Aitor. Um, and... I don't know. I don't know how to define myself. I, I knew this question was coming. Now, you've also been on the show before, so for some yeah. reason I've asked you this twice. And I didn't have a good answer then, and I don't really have a good answer now. I just... I, I don't know. I'm just a guy. I, uh, I, I draw. I draw all day, or I write when I can, or I just sort of sit around at an office in my apartment. Are we allowed to use any of your artwork? To promote this episode? Sure, maybe. Depends. Okay, well, it's up to you. You'd have to send me what you want. Um, so last time you were on mm. was really early. It was episode, like, two or something. Yeah, it was early on. It was early on. Um, it was very early to jump the shark. I, I feel like it was not our best episode. I actually feel like it was maybe our worst episode. I concur. You've listened to most of the episodes. Yeah. Okay. And I know that sounds really harsh, but I blame myself here. I was learning, still learning, how to interview people. And I think I just made a bunch of jokes and never let you talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't talk a lot. I'm not very forthcoming with dialogue. Yes. But the job of the interviewer is to make you talk. Yeah. Okay. Then you did a bad job. I did a bad job. Um, so I'll, I'll keep the jokes to a minimum here. And I'll let you talk. Um, so one of the big things that I guess would be an elephant in the room 
maybe um, about you is some of the stuff that happens in your head. Okay, I see where this is going. Now, don't pretend I didn't ask if we could talk about this before because I did. Yeah, you did. Don't. You did. And I guess, is that is that why we're doing it over? Because I didn't talk about the fact that I'm schizophrenic? No. Oh. We can talk about other things too. Okay. But, um, but you know, you we had a bit of a, during our time in isolation together, we had a bit of a bad day a little while ago. And it definitely made me think um, how useful your perspectives might be to other people in your situation or not in your situation right now. And it made me think that now is a really good time to talk about mental illness and mental health. And I know that you do have some perspectives on it from experience. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I do have perspective. I'm just not sure what you're after or what could be useful? Well, first of all, let's give some background information. So this isn't who you are. You are an artist. It's not how you define yourself. But can you go over, just sort of give a little bit of rundown of what you experience your illness on set and whatever you want to talk about in that regard? All right. So the, the, I think the official diagnosis is paranoid schizophrenia. And I am a uh, paranoid. I get a lot of intrusive ideas. I hear voices all day. Uh, and this hinders my ability to work, which is why I'm unemployed mm -hmm. and on disability for nearly 20 years. Like all, all of my adult life have been crazy and hardly working. I think like 15. There was a couple of years on welfare before. Mm. Um, so when did it start? When did it start? I guess, I guess late teens. And it was in my early 20s that I guess the doctor said I was acting funny and and that led to a, a diagnosis it led to like uh maybe it was just anxiety maybe it was depression so I've I, there were years where I was just trying a lot of different medications and so were you hearing voices and you didn't notice that that was unusual I guess I wasn't really aware at first that I was hearing voices that sort of came a bit later on. I think like in my late teens and early 20s, it was very much just um, uh, paranoia, just being suspicious, thinking that something was going on. I mean, I that's sort of how I always feel. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I am. It's hard. It's hard to tell if it's a dream or not. You know, in a dream, situations just happen to you and you you take everything for granted and you there's a, you have history with people in your dreams or what do you mean um, like someone who seems like a stranger someone who seems like a stranger or or who you don't know from your actual life shows up and you don't question it you just you accept that you know this person um, and so if and when i wake up like it's hard to tell the difference what what do i actually remember Sorry, let me start over. Um, I always get mixed up when I try to explain it. But it, I guess essentially I, I can't tell if I'm awake or not. Or if it's re what, what you're experiencing is real and what's real. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what real is. Right. Now, I find this really interesting right now because I think a lot of people are being thrown into a feeling like what you've been experiencing for 20 years. Yeah, I've noticed. I see there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, 
I mean, I've been thinking about this lately because for me, oddly enough, uh, with all of this COVID stuff, the needle on my stress meter hasn't really budged. It kind of, it teeters a little bit because there are people I'm worried about. But in terms of uh, being shut in, I'm already a shut in a lot of the time. In terms of... Uh, distrust. Distrust of of just uncertainty. I think uncertainty is causing a lot of stress for people. And... You exist in a high level of uncertainty. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't compound with what I already have. It's just sort of in line. It feels like people are catching up to me in that respect a little bit. Huh. Um, that's interesting. Do you trust me? Most of the time, I think I do. I guess I just sort of, I give, I try to give situations the benefit of the doubt. Right. Everything that's happening, I don't know if it's really happening. Um, but it might be happening. And I think I know you. I think I know who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know for a fact that you mean me harm. So even if I think that you might be, even if I think my food is poisoned or something's coming out of the wall, if I don't have uh, an episodic memory of that happening, it's easier for me to just think, well, maybe that's just a notion. So these are the sorts of things you think, that your food's poisoned. Yeah. And there's just sort of a, a feeling of unease a lot of the time, I think. And it, it it's not that easy to dismiss, because if you have a bad feeling about a, a place or a room or a person... You might not know where that's coming from, but you you can't shake that feeling. Yeah, I have those. Yeah. Like Edmonton, you didn't like. Yes, I did not like. I mean, you have some very lovely friends there, but I I do not like the geography of Edmonton. Something's wrong there. See, what I find interesting about this, too, is, um, and, and I, I have a little trepidation saying some of this stuff, but, you know, when you talk, when one speaks of mystical instinct like say that Edmonton's a vortex of negative energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've also heard that, what's the vortex of positive energy? Sonoma? Or not Sonoma. So- Sonora. Sedona? No. Sedona. Sedona. So when we were traveling through- Arizona. Also, I'd just like to stop for a second to say that if you're hearing a bunch of bumps and stuff, I tore, they're real. And listeners, it's the people upstairs falling over, which they like to do here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, th- yeah, so when we were in- Arizona, people kept talking about how it was a vortex of positive energy there. And that seems as tangible as having a bad vibe about somebody. And yours just seemed to be more extreme. Now, that's it's dangerous talk because also I do believe that mental illness is real and people should be treated for it and not considered like necessarily shamans or something. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't really land on one side of the fence or the other. Like, do you think your illness is spiritual? I don't know what it is. I mean, I think uh, the way in which I'm more accepted and able to function in society is for a doctor to tell me that I have a mental illness um, and that got me onto disability. So I have a steady paycheck and I go to counseling and I try medications. I try to solve whatever distress I'm in, but I don't know that there's there's nothing that a doctor can point to. There's no x-ray. I've had all kinds of scans and things done. But there's no there's no proving that schizophrenia is what I have or that it exists. 
Right. Well, schizophrenia itself, there's no like blood test for it. And and yeah. there's there's some published medical thought that it's potentially many different illnesses all lumped in together. Yeah, it's a, it's an umbrella term. You know, I know other people who are identified as schizophrenic and we don't all share the same uh, symptoms. Um, but it's distressing for you, most of these symptoms. Are any of them enjoyable? No, none of it is fun. Right. Yeah. Not I think, for me anyway. <laughs> I think that's good to clarify. So if this were a spiritual thing, it would be more like a curse. It isn't like a fun gift. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess I guess what I was trying to say is I, although I, I talk about schizophrenia and I sort of identify as crazy, I don't actually know if that's what it is. I don't know if I'm just haunted. I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's radio signals. I don't know if this is a dream. I don't know if I'm dead, if I'm alive. I just don't know. I'm agnostic sort of across the board. Are those all specific thoughts you've had? Haunted, possessed, God, radios? Yeah, but I don't I don't believe in God. I don't really believe in ghosts. You don't believe in ghosts? I've never seen one, as far as I can tell. Or maybe I see them all the time. Who knows? Do you see stuff? I see stuff out of the periphery of my vision. Mm-hmm. And what's it like? Like wet, sick animals or people. Ugh, that's terrible. Yeah, I kind of get used to it. But that's always, or does that come and go? That comes and goes more. Seeing things is, is much rarer for me. Right, you mostly hear stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was an interesting moment. We've been in the same apartment for 13 years, and at a certain point we have this long, um, I guess, duct that goes from the air vent in the stove out to the outside, and there are these birds nesting in it. And they've been doing it for years, and I remember us having a conversation once where, where I tore, realized that the, this, those sounds were real. Or if you don't believe in reality, at least that I said I could hear them as well. Mm. That there actually are birds in the walls making noises. But that does seem like a weird thing. So that was sort of lumped up in the, right. the probable hallucinations category, right? Um, well, then, you know, with this question of hopefulness or hope, mm. how does your situation relate to that? How does my situation... Well, I only know my situation. Yeah, sorry. So um, how do you relate to the notion of hope? And does this color it? I guess it does. Yeah, it does color it. Um, and my opinion changes all the time. I mean, there's sort of a a cycle I go through where there are times where I, I can accept it and it's fine. Um, times where I... You know, I take a lot of comfort in sort of stoic and existential ideas. They're oh, the ones that make sense to me. I just heard, a, maybe it was a tapestry episode about stoicism. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What do you know about stoicism? Uh, what I know about stoicism? I guess what I draw from sto stoicism that I... Who was it? I get all the names mixed up. Doesn't matter. I'm terrible but at it's names. sort of the notion that... Um, the wheel of fate is always turning and, you know, good fortune comes and bad fortune comes. It's all sort of random or it can be. Um, at the very least, don't get too attached to the way things are. Don't, don't take things for granted. And, you know, there's a scariness to that and there's a side to that that does bring me down. Uh, really? Really? sometimes but mostly like i 
I find it positive, but I guess hopeful isn't the word that I would that I would use for it. Yeah, I think I've chosen a dumb word to name this podcast after. I don't think it's a dumb word. I just... Uh, it's the wrong one for your feeling. It is for me, I guess. Yeah. The, the positivity that I feel is... And I think I said this last time too. But it's mostly about gratitude. It's about appreciating what I have. Um, you know, you know me. We live together. Every day starts the same for me. At a different time. At widely different times of the day. But my routine is very, very comforting to me. Yeah, routine, routine's pretty important around here. Yeah. For you, and I'm quite a um, a chaotic energy in that, a disruption sometimes. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, so this is something we, we work on. Um, so yeah, how does your day start? Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of just coming out of a fog, but what I can sort of do with my lizard brain is get up, take a piss, have a glass of water, put the kettle on, and then while the water boils, I grind the coffee beans. I do some tidying, which is important for me. Just sort of have the have the space set up to begin a day. What's your morning tidying? I sweep and I do the dishes, any dishes that are left over. I make my coffee and then I go and I hide in my room and I have my coffee and my cigarette. And if nothing else good happens in my day, that is the thing that I enjoy in my day. Yeah, and some days that is the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what happens if that doesn't happen? Oh, you've seen it. Well, I'm for the people listening. Um, I get very agitated. But what's the feeling inside? There, There's an untethering. Uh, I get lost in time. I don't know if it's the next day or not because I haven't started the day. Mm. So is. Has has the last day dragged on too long? Is this is that what's going on? It makes me very tired. Um, or am I stuck in between? It makes you tired. How so? Just the the effort of thinking all that. Yeah, thinking makes me very tired. I get just trying to pay attention to people talking can be exhausting for me. Um, it's it's interesting, and and this is I mean it's something I wanted to share because also this is a. I know it's you and your experience, but it's also a big part of my life, obviously. Yeah. We've been together for a very long time. And I've had a little bit of guilt um, about saying on this podcast, like, well, doesn't everyone live like in sort of terror and the unknown all the time and in sort of upset and facing scary things? But I think it's important for people to understand that some people do live like that every single day. Live like what? I'm sorry. Live in, in a terror. state of, yeah, like things are scary and challenging and you don't know what the next day is going to bring. You don't know if, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, but you don't know if your partner is going to be well or if you're even going to be able to keep them. And, you know, living with that, it's it's just a state of being for us, right? Yes, I, I guess so. Yeah. And I haven't found a way around it. But I do think, honey, that there's perspective and information that you have to share with people now because of what you've been through. People who've thought their lives were very stable and reliable are having to adjust to the feeling that they aren't. Right. Well, I don't I don't really have any advice for those people. Well, how do you do it? How do you get up and keep going with all this going on? Sometimes I don't. Well, you're alive. Right. Yeah. I don't always want to be. I know. But what gets you through? What gets me through? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, oh, you mean like when it gets really bad? Yeah. Why are you still here? Guilt. A tremendous amount of guilt. Really? Yeah. Because I, you know, even though I'm not sure who's who, there are a lot of people that I love, yourself included, my family. Like I know... Phew. I know the damage that suicide can do to those who are left behind. Uh, or at least I've been led to believe that it can be really hurtful to the people you leave behind. Yeah. So not wanting to cause that, um, that would be the main deterrent. But, but it also makes me resentful against the people I love sometimes. <laughs> but you also have a good time sometimes, right? I have a good time a lot of the time. Let's make that clear too. Yeah. So then at all those times, you still are only around because of guilt? Like there is joy. No. Oh, I thought we were talking about when it gets terrible. No, I meant all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, when, so when it gets terrible, guilt's what gets you through? That's good. I think you can use anything you have at your disposal to get you through. Yeah, I guess so. But you do experience joy. Yeah, absolutely. What's bringing you joy these days? What's sparking your joy, Mary Kondo? What sparks my joy? Um, I don't know. Like, you know you know me. I'm, it's not an overwhelming joy a lot of the time, but just... In the simplest terms, just the small things around me, the people I love, um, my family, art. I love art. Yeah. I love coffee. I love cigarettes. I mean, I really enjoy these things. <laughs> you really I love like... cigarettes? They're on the list with art? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, for anyone that thinks that substances aren't an essential service, every once in a while, they truly, truly are. I can make art. I can't make my own cigarettes. We could try. <laughs> all right all right challenge accepted um children yeah i love kids my sister's kids are great yeah that's where i see you really really happy yeah yeah in the in the in the better times that's absolutely overwhelming how, how happy they make me yeah is it scary how happy they make you yeah of course how come because one comes to rely on that happiness a little bit like the thought of it going away is not pleasant to me Right. You know, like I, I'm, I'm very aware that it might go away, but contemplating it going away is, it still isn't fun. You mean loving something that much? Yeah. You, you know, you make yourself vulnerable. Um, I think it creates obligations on both sides, responsibilities on both sides. Yeah, but we're social creatures. Yeah, but it can also be a burden. In what way? Responsibility. Yeah, I mean, like, what will it do to you to lose those things? Because you also face losing things every day, and you actually seem pretty good at it. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I can be really pragmatic and stoic about that sort of stuff. But other times, it's the worst. Other times, I'm really miserable, and nothing I have isn't enough. Really? What do you want? What do I want? Mm -hmm. Nothing does it. That's the problem. It's the inability to enjoy. Um, okay, so the bad day that we had, do you want to talk about what precipitated that? I don't remember what precipitated that. It was the shelf. It was just messy. Oh, the shelf. Yeah. A shelf came off my wall uh, because the wall is rotting. And that's, it was the shelf on which I keep my biggest, heaviest, most beautiful art books. Um, so yeah, it just came off the wall. The books came raining down upon me. And... Poor Salvador Dali broke his spine twice. Yeah. And I was just in a mess, in a pile of books that had nowhere to go because the shelf is gone. I need a place for things. 
and I need things to go away. I need to make things tidy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a serious amount of disarray and it was a very extreme moment of, oh no, we're not supposed to be leaving our house. Like we can't expand the space that we have as a couple. I can't just go away for hours and leave you to sort it out and have your whatever feelings you're having. It was it was the worst moment thus far of this level of isolation. And you, you know, became pretty unwell. And it definitely made me think about everybody who is dealing with things like this, these sorts of illnesses right now. And even more so, what about people for whom this stress is causing this for the first time? Right. I mean, do you have anything to say to people who are experiencing weird thoughts for the first time? No, I don't have any. What was it like for you? For me? Yeah, to sort of first experience stuff and realize that it was unpleasant, unusual, whatever, however you'd put it. Like way back when. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't remember. It was a, it's a very blurry time in my life. I also drank a lot back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, self-medicating, I suppose, is what we call it. Why would you drink? What was the goal? Uh, The goal? What was the goal? Like, I don't think I consciously was trying to numb anything, if that's what you mean. Yeah. It wasn't some sort of... Sedation. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. I would get drunk. Um, And it was something that was easy to do. If I couldn't read a book, or I couldn't draw, or I couldn't write, or I couldn't go outside, I could have coffee, drink bourbon, smoke cigarettes, and sit in a room. But you don't have that same desire to drink anymore. No, I don't have that tolerance anymore either. You really have to work at that sort of thing. We're also older. Yeah. Drinking when you're young is a whole different thing. But um, it's a piece of cake when you're twenty. I've also noticed recently that you have been more productive with no with no outlet. You know, there's no not no outlet. There's no goal for your work, and that's that's also quite important, right? The lack of goals. Yeah. You don't. I'm not sure what you mean. Well, you said to me before that like you make art, but people seeing it sometimes feels bad. So it doesn't have an end purpose in that regard. So what is the end purpose of you drawing? It varies from drawing to drawing, but essentially it's busy work. It's it's trying, it's like sometimes it's just doodling. It's just busy work. Um, and hopefully something nice comes out of it or it might lead to an idea. The ideas are the the most exciting thing. And if, if you make something that you really like, then what do you do with it? What do I do with it? Um, if it fits in the filing cabinet, I put it in the filing cabinet. And would you want it? To, would you want to have a, an exhibition? No, I don't need. I don't need to. Beyond need to, though, would would you like that? No, no, I don't think I would. How come? Um, okay, I see what you mean about purpose. Because it wasn't its intended purpose. It was not. It was not to show. It was not to show off. It was not to change anybody's mind about anything. Uh. It's not for sale. And you don't like it to be. See, I'm I'm pushing you because I have the inside scoop. Yeah, which is probably for the best because it wouldn't occur to me to talk about these things otherwise. I think it's unusual and I think it's interesting. So 
But you said you don't want, you don't like the feeling of exhibiting your work or, or having people read your writing. How do you feel about that? Well, I haven't written anything good in a long time, but so no, no, I would rather, I would rather not. What, what do you want to do with it all? I like the satisfaction. I like the satisfaction at the end of the day, if I got a good amount of work done, both in terms of, of making art, uh, preparing a meal, talking to like just eudaimonia is what I'm, what I'm looking for. If I can go to bed at the end of the day and I've done, I've pushed that boulder properly and I know it's going to come down the hill, but if I, I, I pushed it really well today. What was that's the word what you I'm said? You, eudaimonia. What's that? It's sort, of, it's sort of like a harmony, like a self-realization. Where's that from? I'm going to say Plato. Okay. So just a feeling of having done something is all you want. But like you don't want to publish a book. You don't want it to be seen. So the reason no. I ask this is because of all the times, and we have a lot of boundaries about, you know, your space and your office and your work. Um, but I have certainly found things in the garbage that are, to me, beautiful <laughs> pieces of art. And it, I find it very disturbing that you want to throw it out. I don't like that. Yeah. But that's you. That's your choice. You used to fill suitcases with stuff and then just toss it in the river? No, I'd burn them. Oh, you burn them. <laughs> that hurts me so profoundly. <laughs> I mean, not, not hurts me. as You're not hurting me, but just I, I really love your work and I don't like to see it destroyed. Um, but why, why were you okay with doing that? I, the ephemeral is important to me. And once again, it, it's, it's all tied into the notion that everything is just fleeting. This is also so ironic that it upsets me so much because I've you spent improvise. my yeah. life being an improviser and sense to me. throwing away almost everything I've done. And I enjoy that. But I've shared it with other people. So like... The ephemeral and improv improvised theater is that you go out and you have this wonderful experience with them and a communal experience. Your experience is very different, and I've tried to understand it for going on 20 years now. Yeah, but you're also really good at what you do, like entertainment, entertaining. Yeah, and entertaining is a conversation. There has to be an audience. That's why all the comedians are just losing their noggins on social media right now because they don't have their audience. That's the way that we work. Yeah. But for you... What is it to make a piece of art then if no one sees it? It's a, it's a tree in a forest. It's a lot of things. It's it's like it's scratching an itch sometimes. It's just you uh, there's an impulse to do something and to figure it out. Like sometimes you know, it's a small drawing. It's something simple. Uh doesn't require a lot of skill or a lot of time to actually draw, but that's what I'm working on all day because it's like there's something in another room I'm trying to draw from memory or from a dream. It's, I don't, I don't know that I have it. I don't know what it looks like, but I know this isn't it yet. So I keep working on it or changing it until it's taken the shape where I think, I think that's what was in the other room. So And then it's done. Have you ever done one and you're like, yes, that was what was in the other room? Or the thing that was in the other room is like a memory of a dream, so you're never going to be 100% sure what it was. More the latter. Our friend um, Pete Corey, who does tattoos in Berlin, um, his tattoo studio is called Like a Dream. Mm. And I remember him explaining that and saying that the space, he has space with friends. So Pete, I'm 
I'm sure I'm misquoting you, but that he wanted they wanted the space to be like a dream and that things are always sort of moving and a little bit strange. Mm. <laughs> and it was a beautiful way to describe a space and artwork. And like we both have his artwork on us, so the dream is sort of trickled away from that room. But it does feel like dreamy stuff that stayed with us. Yeah. Tattoos, right? Um that's a beautiful way to describe it. Like a dream. Well, now you describing the other room. I'm sure that's from somewhere else, too. Who cares? That might be. That might be Plato. That might be like a... Like, is Plato the one with the, the, the shadows and the cave? Yeah. yeah. But still, um, is there anything recently that's given you a new sense of, if not hope, then optimism, gratitude, any new developments recently in your life? Things you've seen, anything? Gratitude? I. Yeah, I'm grateful daily. Like, list a few recent things. This is the, the normal question of the podcast. Yeah. I'm just trying to rephrase it. Okay, so we had that one bad day during our confinement here. Yeah, we're three weeks in now. Yeah, that's pretty good. Even, even without a quarantine, that's a pretty good run for me. Yeah, you've been doing really well lately. Yeah. You've been journaling too, hey? Yes. Yeah. I, and, uh, I think we feel so weird to talk about. I had um, electroconvulsive therapy done to me last year. Um, and it was awful. Yeah. But it helped. And you're still feeling the positive effects of that? Yeah. I mean, like the benefits, the reason I, one of the reasons I stopped doing it was because the benefits sort of plateaued. And it was... For those listening, I was on the other end of it, and it was truly a horrifying thing to behold. Yeah. And I've lost a lot of memories, which is disconcerting to me because... Yeah, there's at least half know. a year that's just a big hole. And I'm sure the way that you already feel with paranoia and stuff, having a big chunk of time missing cannot feel good, those two things together. Yeah. And I think, you know, one's memories are sort of what grounds us. Uh, it's tied into oneself. But you were saying... sense of identity. You were saying that this did have a positive effect. Yeah, it greatly reduced um, the voices. There's still... there's You still feel a reduction overall? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and they fluctuate. They always have. But they were pretty constant and pretty vociferous uh, for a very long time. And it was really wearing me down. Yeah, you describe, you've described to me that at its worst, it was like being at a noisy dinner party packed full of people where everyone was screaming. Yes. Which is a true nightmare. It's to just me. a din. So it's hard. It's, you know, it's hard to be around people. It's hard to be social. Um, it's hard, like, because I'm always sort of listening. If you're home, I always have to have an ear out in case you're, you're talking to me from another room. Yeah. Um, yeah, I try not to. And it just, it, I can't concentrate. It had been years since I'd read a book or written anything. And so since then, since the re reduction in noise, I'm able to concentrate a little better. And I've just been working on that ever since. Because it's, it's like exercise. You stop exercising, you get out of shape. So it's taken me a long, it's still a process to try to think in, in try to organize my thoughts better. Um, and you're writing longhand too. So that's a certain yeah. kind of thought process. So, yeah. So I, I 
try to write every day. I don't always know what to write about, so keeping a journal makes sense. Just even if it's just writing the same day that I'm experiencing over and over again. <laughs> Your Groundhog Day journal. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that um, the positive effects have stuck with you. Actually, there's a lot in this conversation that's sort of new information. There's always something new. Um, but uh, you were diagnosed medication resistant for schizophrenia. So also this is, I, I want people yeah. to understand how huge this is. This is after 20 years of, I mean, I don't even know how many medications. I tried almost everything. Mm -hmm. Never tried lithium. Lithium was the one that you didn't, yeah. Um, so some heavy duty stuff with some heavy duty side effects, not a huge amount of relief. And there may be people for whom even this doesn't work, but... And, and it wasn't yeah. just a, you know, a switch and everything was better, but the f positive effects were really, really amazing. Does that give you any amount of hope or nah? Nah. No. I don't know how long it'll last. I don't know. I don't, long, I don't know how long before things start sliding again. Well, it's been about a year. Yeah, but I don't know what tomorrow is. Well, nobody does. So I try to get some work done today and I try to enjoy my meals today. Yeah. Nobody knows what tomorrow holds, and certainly now. You try to enjoy your meals? Yeah. I like good food. What do you like watching on TV? We've on been TV? watching so much. Oh, yeah. We've been watching a lot more TV Can lately. Can you explain to me what you like about Cheers? What I like about Cheers, I find it fascinating. <laughs> it is, you know, it's, uh, I'd seen a lot of Cheers growing up, so I, I was fond of it genuinely as a sitcom when I was growing up. Looking at it now, after all of these years, I see how in some ways it has informed my sense of humor. Uh, and also just watching how distant it is now from the way sitcoms are made. You know, it's very theatrical. It's a set. It's one set with a live studio audience. Yeah, I do miss the theater of those old sitcoms. And so it's an acting style onto itself to be able to... The performances have to be big but still reined in for the camera, but big enough for the studio audience. And that's interesting to me. I don't think it's better or worse, but it's just different than anything I see on television now. That was my dream when I was younger. I wanted to be in a live studio audience show because they felt like little plays. Yeah, and that's what it was back then. What, who's your favorite character? My favorite character? I don't have one. I like, I like Diane's dialogue, but I find the character insufferable, which... It's supposed to be. Do you, don't you kind of feel like you might have married a bit of a Diane? Wait, who am I? What character am I in the Cheers universe? Yeah, you always want to reduce people to a different person. What's that? I do? Yeah. Well, it's just a question. It's not possible. Oh, man. Well, you're you're some, somewhere between a Diane and a Lilith then. <laughs> if <laughs> I have to, what if a I have dream. to shoehorn you into... <laughs> what a dream woman, Lilith hands down my favorite character from Cheers. One of the only ones that doesn't stress me out. Um, who are you? I don't know. I don't identify with anybody. Coach. Sure. I'll take it. Why not? You'd fall down the stairs to get a girl. It's worked before. Um, where can people find you on social media? They can't. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> like you have a personal Facebook account? Yeah. Don't, don't come looking for me. And, uh, I have a personal Instagram account mm -hmm. where I share things with friends, so not strangers. Don't. So don't come looking for me. And um, I brought this up when I talked to Dan before, but what do you have to say to, um, you know, people on the boardwalk during quarantine who shove a camera in your face? 
Don't do it again. This has been a really wonderful interview. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. I hope that was okay. It was wonderful. Let's make dinner. H Word Podcast is happy to be part of the Shop family of productions. Follow the shop on Instagram at the underscore shop to. Artwork this week by Reverend Itor, and our theme music, as always, by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H Word Pod or sign up for our newsletter at the H Word Pod.com. <laughs>